Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. I just want to start off by honoring your amazing pastors, Pastor John and Pastor Debbie. I mean, I feel like God connected our family with this family for supernatural purposes. And I said this yesterday, and I'm going to say it again as I look at y'all. I feel like y'all have shown us through your sons, through Pastor Brandon, through Beth, through, you know, David, just through everyone, through Savannah, just everyone, through Becky, God has showed us what is possible. I feel like by being here and being at James River the last couple weeks, the blueprint for my life has been expanded. I feel like we have new hope, we have new passion. I'm going back more in love with Jesus, more in love with my family, more in love with the house of God. And I'm just thankful for your voice. I'm thankful for your leadership and just belief in us. We are better because we know you. And I'm just not saying this. Y'all need to know your pastors and the pastoral pastoral team here, one of the best in all the world. One of the best. Literally, I have cried so many tears. Conference one, my husband said, can you pass the tissue? Because God's presence is just here. It is hovering over this house. And I want to introduce you to my family, and then I'm going to jump into my message because I do believe I have a word for each and every one of us. Okay, so I want you to meet my family. I've been married for 24 years. We celebrate 25 years in May, which I can't believe it. So if you have any ideas of where my husband should take me, just text him, Pastor John, Pastor Brandon, but I cannot wait. But okay, so 24 years, going on 25, we met in college. We were college sweethearts. And just fun fact, I liked him first. He was just this, he was an amazing basketball star, loved God, but super humble like he is today. And just loves Jesus, loves people, loves basketball. And, but I liked him first. I would make little comments to try to like get his attention, but he was so focused on God, so focused on sports. My little comments, they did not work. I remember he went on a missions trip to India and he was praying He said that I kept coming to his mind, but because he was so spiritual, he thought it was the devil. (laughs) And finally, when he came back from his trip, I remember seeing him, and I remember saying, hey, you want to just like meet up? I'd love to hear about your missions trip, but he didn't catch my little wink towards him at all, but finally he came to his senses and asked me for my phone number. That is my husband. The way he loves me and serves me and honors me, I just feel so grateful to God for him. Okay, then we have my oldest son, Parker. He is 16, just started his first job at Chick-fil-A. He went to orientation Saturday. He got his little name badge. I'm so excited, so proud of him. And having a teenager has really upped my prayer life. How many parents of teenagers? at all of our campuses, yes. It will up your prayer life. I really feel like no podcast, no sermon, no book prepared me for what it was like to raise a teenager. But thank God for the resources and the people that have gone ahead of me because I'm learning and I'm gleaning, but he's a great kid. Then our little girl, Elle, she is six years old. We call her the star on top of our Christmas tree. She just makes everything better. She is just full of life, full of passion. She's a leader. She's a boss. She loves, she's a nurturer, but she also will cut you if you get in her way. And then we have our little 11-year-old Grayson. We call him Wonder in a Bottle because he is just, he just makes all things new. He can take foil and turn it into a robot army. I'm not kidding. 
He is just a genius. He can take cardboard and turn it into a set. I think he's going to be an engineer or a scientist or just something and make a mark on this world. But that is my family. We send, they send their love from Dallas. One of these times when I come back, because I'm coming back next year with my girls for conference. So get your registration, girls. Don't miss out on this moment. And husbands, encourage your wife. Get a registration for her. Surprise her. Get your aunts, sisters, cousins, everyone needs to register because it, there's nothing like it. I was telling Pastor Debbie, there is nothing like what happens here. And for y'all, you may think all conferences are like this, but they are not. There's a mandate from heaven on this house to gather God's girls to impart wisdom and life because he knows it's going to take it all around the world. And as you heard, it is all in the world. So get your registrations. I'm bringing back like so many of our girls. I'm over 20. We're just coming. I can't wait for you to meet them. And I'm going to open it up to our whole church because that's how much I believe in this conference. So get your registration. Get your registration. Okay, here we go. Going to jump into my message. It's called, It's Not Too Much. Say to your neighbor, it's not too much. At every campus, say, it's not too much. As I was praying for this church, and I've had the honor of being here for the last couple weeks, I felt like God told me to impart to you and to remind you that this is a house of prayer. We're going to be gathering this upcoming Wednesday night to pray and to believe God for miracles and to believe God for breakthrough. And God's hand is on this house at every single location. And as a result of you being a part of this house, his hand is upon your life and his hand is upon your family. He's picked you to be a part of James River and to be planted at James River for such a time as this. And as I was praying, I felt like I saw a picture that God said that people are going to be traveling here from all around the world to learn about this move of God that is taking place at James River Church. I also felt like he said to me that world leaders who are um, hitting their head up against walls because they cannot figure out what to do in this such a time as this moment are coming here because they know that if they just get into the room, get into the space, that wisdom is going to be imparted to them. And so I just need you to know that our prayer posture as a church is not just about us, but it's actually a catalyst for the world. And I believe that some of the problems that our world is facing right now are going to be solved on our knees, crying out to God through James River Church. He is positioning you to be a light in the darkness. He is positioning you to bring hope to the hopeless. He's positioning you to bring cure and healing to diseases. He's going to be calling, bringing sick people here where doctors have told them there's no way, there's no healing for you. There's no breakthrough for you. This is your lot in life. And they're going to come here. They're going to find healing. They're going to find hope. And word is going to travel all around the world. And just like the people followed Jesus, the crowds followed him because they knew that he was a healer. I sense in my spirit that crowds are going to follow this church because they know that healing is here. They know that anointing is here. They know that God's presence is here. So I just need you to know that. You need to know that. And everyone at your job, in your neighborhood, at your schools, at your play, at your play groups, 
I want you to start having that posture of come to church with me. Because if you come to church with me, your season of life, it's not too much for God. Your business, the stresses that keep you up at night, it's not too much for God. Raising teenagers, can I get an amen and a witness? It's not too much for God. The toddler season of life, it's not too much for God. The challenges and the stresses of just being in high school in this day and age, it is not too much for God. But when we find ourselves planted in his house, giving, and building his house. He touches us and he reminds us that he's just getting started. Go with me to 1 Samuel 1 and we're gonna talk through the story of Hannah and how she found herself in God's house and breakthrough happened. She had some obstacles to face along the way, but it did not step, stop her from realizing if I can just get into that space. If I can just get to the next conference, if I can just get to prayer this Wednesday, I know God's gonna meet me. First Samuel one, go with me. Here we go. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh. With Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli were priests of the Lord. Verse four, whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife, Peniah, and to all of her sons. Verse five, but to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. So instead of one piece of steak, she got two pieces of steak. And the Lord had closed her womb. So he's bringing his family up to worship, up to sacrifice. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's room, womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. You ever have those family members that you just think, have you just been sent to just provoke me and irritate me? The ones that test you, the ones that you pray before they come over for Thanksgiving, or are all your family members just perfect and just saved and know how to handle themselves? Well, Hannah dealt with that. Here we go. This went on year after year. So every single time they would go up, she would be provoked, she would be you know, made fun of because she was barren and could not produce children. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. So Hannah was barren. The other wife was able to have children. Hannah could not have children. And back then, being barren was a social stigma. People thought that it was your fault. People thought that you did something wrong. People would blame you and make you feel like you're a disgrace to society. And so not only did Hannah walk into every place and feel like she was being judged and feel like, what's wrong with you? How come you can't get it together? What's wrong with you? How come you can't give your husbands more sons? She walked with that heaviness. Her husband loved her and even says in scripture, he said, don't you love me? You don't even need kids. Isn't my love for you enough? But she still had that deep desire to wanna be a mom. I don't know what is bared in your life today. I don't know if it's your business or expectations that you have or that people have around you that your business should be at a certain spot. I don't know if you're a student at one of our campuses and the expectations of you getting straight A's and you're feeling like you're going through a barren season because you're distracted. I don't know what it, you have today that you feel barren in, but I want you to know that your barrenness is not too big for God. 
Your barrenness is not too big for God. He's looking at square on this morning. He's saying, I got you, I'm with you, and I'm for you. And even though opposition, it comes our way. For Hannah, it was the bully in her life, which is a family member. So every time they would go up, she would have to handle that whisper in her ear of you're not good enough, you're never gonna have kids. Look, I have kids. Look, you don't have kids. For some of us, that bully is Instagram. We see everybody's picture-perfect life on Instagram, and we allow Instagram to bully us, saying you're never gonna have a marriage like that. You're never gonna have a body like that. You're never gonna have time to make recipes like that. How does that wife work, have a great marriage, have a picture-perfect family, and have time to spiralize sweet potato noodles? You know you're out there. How does that mom who just had a baby already fit into her jeans and she purees her own baby food? How does she do it? She grows her food in her own garden, then she purees it, puts it in little custom jars with labels. How does she do it? Whatever it is that you see that you think I can never measure up to that, and sometimes we let it bully us. Sometimes we let it discourage us to the place of tears, to the place of being wilted, to the place of feeling forgotten, to the place of feeling like I can't ask God for that. Continue with me in Hannah's story because she got to the place where she knew if I could just get to the house of God. I know that I'm bullied. I know that I'm barren. I know that my situation has not turned out how I want it to. I know my business is not where I planned. I know my marriage is not where I planned. I know my thought life is not where I planned. When I thought about my life and when I look at it, I did not see it turning out this way. But if I could just get to the house of God, I know my child is having learning difficulties right now. I know my child is having trouble sleeping at night, but I know that if I can just get them to James River Kids, I know that the Spirit of God is gonna move through every single team member, and I know that something is possible and it's gonna happen. If I can just get into the building, I know that a host is gonna say hi to me and speak love and value on me. If I just can get in a building, I know that being around my friends and my sisters and believers, I know that if I can just come up to the prayer line on Sunday, I know that somebody's faith is going to ignite my faith. That's where Hannah was at. If I can just get into the place. And I believe that God is reminding us to have that posture, to have that focus and that determination. If I can just get to the house of God, he is going to meet me. If I can just get to life group, for those of you who are not in a life group yet today, I want you to get into a life group. I want you to register today and I want you to have a sense of urgency about it because the relationships, the friendships, the joy, the strength, the wisdom that is going to be poured out upon you as you take that step, I want you to know that God's gonna meet you. 1 Samuel 1, 10 through 13. And the beautiful part is Hannah didn't wait to go to God's house for everything to be perfect. Sometimes we think, oh, I can't show up to my campus because I had a rough night and people are gonna see it on my face. Oh, I only can talk about the things of God and I can only sign up to serve when my marriage is where I want it to be. But I love that Hannah knew even in her pain, even in her waiting, she knew it wasn't too much for God. She was heavy, it was not easy, she was barren, she took that trip year after year, but she knew, she knew that it wasn't too much for God. Verse 10, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. Verse 11, so she understands pain. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you would only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, 
Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. Verse 12, as she kept on praying, so she's in the house of God, Eli, he was sitting in a chair and watching all of this transpire from afar. He observed her mouth. Verse 13, Hannah was praying in her heart. Her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So she was heavy. She was in her season of waiting. She was in her season of God, do you hear me? God, do you see me? But even in her wait, even in her heaviness, she hadn't eaten. It just, all of the pain just took away her appetite. She knew that if I could just get to God's house, if I could just pour out my heart, and I'm so desperate for a breakthrough that I don't care that any, what anybody around me thinks. She didn't think, oh, I have to do a proper cry. I think she was probably, as you can see, it says weeping bitterly. So it was like, a, like a, probably an ugly cry. Do you remember how many ugly criers we have? I'm an ugly crier. When it hits me, I don't cry that often, but when it hits me, I told the girls this weekend, just all the snot everywhere, it's not attractive. My shoulders just start to move up and down. You can't understand what I'm saying. Some of you are more pretty, elegant criers, and it just kind of flows, and you just wipe your tears, and you're like, my heart is hurting. For, for Hannah and for me, it was the ugly cry. So much so that the priest said, are you drunk? It is early for you to be drinking in the temple. Are you drunk? And she said, no, I am actually not drunk. I am just crying out to the God. Have you ever had a situation where you were desperate and you knew that you needed a miracle? Have you ever had a sick child where you knew I need to get to James River Church, I need to come forward for prayer, and I'm gonna come forward for prayer every week until my breakthrough happens? Have you ever had pressures on your business where you thought if this deal doesn't go through, I don't know what I'm gonna tell my wife, I don't know what I'm gonna tell the investors, but you knew that if I could just get into the house of God, if I should just get surrounded by other believers, my faith is gonna be lifted and I'm gonna have the strength and the stamina to keep going. That's what Hannah knew and we can learn from her pain, but we can also learn from her breakthrough because when you get in God's house, your life has changed. My life has been changed by the house of God. It is in the house of God I learned my value. I learned my worth. I learned that I didn't have to settle in relationships. I was mentored by two older women who taught me and told me stop settling. God has someone so special for you. Break up with that bozo that you're dating and I did. And I'm so glad that I found myself in God's house because I wouldn't have met my husband. He wouldn't even have paid attention to me because I was such a hot mess. But because I found myself planted, I got surrounded by other marriages and other people who went before me, taught me what it means to be a godly praying mom, taught me what it means to be a wife that's leaned into her husband, taught me what it means to protect the atmosphere of my home. I learned all of that by being planted in God's house. And has life been perfect? No, of course not. But my faith has always stayed strong. My passion for him, my passion for people, I learned that. I discovered that the joy that God has given my husband and I, it all came from being planted in God's house. And Hannah knew something that we all need to know, that this is the place where we can lift our hands to heaven and say, God, I need a breakthrough in my business. God, I need you to renew my mind. I need a breakthrough in my finances. I need to see a miracle take place in my life. And I know that in the house of God, you will meet me there. She, they thought she was drunk, but she was not drunk. So this is what happens in the story. 1 Samuel 1, 17. Eli answered her, because she explained to them, I'm just desperate. I need a breakthrough. I need a miracle. God, I need you to show up. He answered her and he said, go in peace. 
and may the God of Israel give you what you asked of him. So she left, her countenance was no longer dropped. She was able to eat, her appetite returned. Some of you today, your appetite for the things of God is gonna return. Some of you before today, you felt like, God, I don't feel you, God, I don't hear you. But I declare by the Spirit of the Lord that your countenance is gonna be lifted. Your appetite is gonna be returned. The fight that you used to have is gonna be restored to you. The strength that you used to have is going to come back 100-fold because you found yourself planted in God's house. Verse one, I mean, chapter 120. Before the year was out, I love this, Hannah had conceived and given birth to a son. She named him Samuel, explaining, I asked God for him. What does God wanna do in your life before the year is out? What does he wanna do in your family before the year is out? What did you write in your journal that you were believing God to do before the year is out? I want you to think about that while I'm talking with you this morning. And I want you to be looking to heaven as I'm talking to you this morning and asking God, would you reignite my faith? Would you remind me that you're just getting started with my family? You're just getting started with the impact that I'm gonna make at school. Before the year is out, breakthrough is gonna come. She conceived and gave birth to a son and she walked back into church and she said to the priest, do you remember me? I'm the woman that was crying bitterly. I'm the woman who seemed hopeless. I'm the woman who was being bullied. I'm the one that it's people made fun of. I'm the one that people thought, my family thought I was crazy for continuing to pray, for continuing to press on. I'm the one that you thought I was drunk, but guess what, I'm here and I have a son and I'm dedicating him to the Lord. So I cannot wait for a year from now, for the girls who are at the conference to say, Pastor Debbie, I'm the one that you prayed for about her identity and her worth. I'm the mom who realized that I needed a sisterhood to surround me. I'm the business leader that that day, I remembered that God has a plan and a purpose for my business. And now I went from 30 employees to 1,000 employees. I'm the one who persevered. I'm the one who prayed and stayed up late, showed up on Wednesday, showed up serving, and God met, for, met me. I cannot wait for your years from now. I cannot wait for this time next year for you to tell Pastor Debbie and Pastor John and the team what God has done in your life. I cannot wait till our other locations have to have so many services that a new building is given to them. I cannot wait for a year from now when world leaders come and God speaks to them and gives them wisdom and impartation and nations are changed because of the move of God that is taking place at James River Church. I cannot wait to see what God does in the people's lives that show up this Wednesday and believe God for breakthrough, that believe God for miracles, that don't wait for the miracle to happen before they start trusting God. I cannot wait to see what he's gonna do a year from now. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not too much. It's not too much for God. He's still on the throne. He's still performing miracles. He's still recovering sight to the blind. He's still parting Red Seas. He is still on the throne. And sometimes when we have our head in the sand or we're just watching negative news after negative news, we forget that God's on the throne. But I'm here to remind you today that he is still in charge. Breakthrough is coming. Revival is here, and our greatest days as a church are ahead. Do you have, do you, I got one more story for y'all, just in case you don't believe me, that it's not too much for God. Go with me to Mark 10. 
verse 46. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples, this is another example of God answering prayer. Jesus and his disciples left town, and a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 48, be quiet, many of the other people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 49, when Jesus heard him. Let's just stop right there for a second. Jesus hears us. He hears the prayer requests we write down on the prayer cards. He hears our cries out to him. He hears our prayers. And look at his response. He stopped and said to him, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man and they said, cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Cheer up, I say to you this morning. Come on, he's calling you. Cheer up, I say tonight, if you watch this later on, he's calling you. So Bartimaeus threw aside his coat and jumped up and came to Jesus. And I was looking at some commentary this morning, and many have said that that was another example of him throwing off weight and constraint and knowing that he could push towards Jesus. So I don't know what's holding you back, what lies, what cloaks you're wearing to make you think that you're not good enough, to make you think that your situation is too heavy or too dark for Jesus Christ, but I need you to know that just like this blind beggar, he threw off restraint and leaped towards Jesus, we should do that as well. We need to throw off things that would hinder us. One commentator said that that coat that he wore, that cloak is what identified him. I feel like some of us have found it identified him as a beggar and that that's how people knew to give him money. So him throwing off that restraint, some believe that that was his way of saying that now I'm not gonna be able to collect money. But he had found his identity in being a blind beggar. And so some of us have found our identity in our pain. We found our identity in something other than Jesus Christ. But if we throw that off and look to him, watch what happens. He threw aside his coat and jumped up and came to Jesus. Verse 51, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And as I was studying that this morning, I felt like many of us are searching for clarity and situations that we need wisdom on, we need direction on, and we felt lost like we can't see, like our sight in that particular situation has been blurry. And I feel like today he is restoring sight. And he said, I want to see. Verse 52, and Jesus said to him, go for your faith is healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. As you can see, even though Jesus was on his way from somewhere, that blind man knew, if I could just shout a little louder, if I could just get the attention of the Father, my prayers are going to be answered, and I'm going to see. If this blind beggar who was on the side of the road, wearing a cloak, discounted, forgotten, had enough faith to know that if he could just get in the place, if he could just get in front of Jesus, how much more should our faith be ignited and start to remind ourselves, if I can just get to the house of God, if I can just get to life group, that God will meet me, he will lock eyes with me, he will give me clarity, he will give me wisdom, he will give me example, he will give me breakthroughs. 
Three takeaways for today. I want us to ask again. Some of us have stopped asking because we feel like we're inconveniencing God or that our prayer or our situation is too big. Some of us have had dreams in our hearts for years and almost felt like our dreams were too big. So we stopped asking God for it. And today I wanna to remind you to ask again. I think about the girl who kept inviting me to church. She would ask me over and over again. I would always say no, or I'd say yes, and I would cancel the morning of. I would go out the night before, and I would party, and then I would be too tired to come to church. But she kept asking me. She kept praying for me. She kept believing in me. She kept seeing me. And one Sunday, I came to church. I came to the house of God, and my life was forever changed. Ask and ask again. Number two, ask for the grace. We need the grace of God while we wait for our breakthrough, while we wait for our miracle, while we wait for our situation to change. So ask the Father for grace. I think about the woman with the issue of blood. She didn't even have the words at the time because sometimes you don't even feel like you have the words, but she knew that if I could just get around the presence of God, even if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know that my life is gonna be changed. And when she touched that hem, she was healed instantly. So sometimes you don't even have to have the words. You just need to be in the place. Number three, ask on behalf of others. There are so many people that need our prayers that need our example, that need our determination, that need our faith, that need us to stay at our post, that need us not to quit so that they can see that God can do great things. I think about the leaders that have gone before me. I think about Pastor John and Pastor Debbie who have been sowing seed year after year after year. They've prayed, they've fasted, they've cried, they've felt misunderstood at times. I'm sure they felt doubt at times, but they have not quit. They keep showing up week in and week out. They keep believing God for breakthroughs and miracles. And I'm so thankful that they haven't stopped asking God. I'm so thankful that they don't have the posture of, oh, this church is 30 years old. We're already influential. We're just going to stop here. I'm so thankful that they're raising up a generation of leaders at James River College. I'm so thankful for the excellence of this church. I'm so thankful for the next generation of leaders who are going to take this torch to the other most. I'm so thankful that they still want to have a Wednesday night prayer meeting because they know that God is big enough to perform the miraculous. I'm so thankful that they have the faith to rent out an arena to see God move on the hearts of his daughters. I'm so thankful for all that God is doing through them and through James River Church and the team. But you know what? Because they ask and because they ask again and because they have the grace for the wait. Our ask is just not about the end result. It is about the end result. It's about what God wants to do on the inside of us. And I'm gonna read some scriptures over you. And I'm gonna believe God that what has felt like a dry, barren season in your life, I'm gonna believe God that new creativity, new insight, new wisdom, a new love for the house of God, a new posture change, new sight, new insight, new faith, new strength. I'm gonna pray that you would have eyes to see, ears to hear, I'm gonna believe, God, that what seems impossible, that your faith is so stirred and ignited that you stay the course. So many people this last year have been knocked out of the race because they stopped asking, 
they stopped realizing and remembering the power and the presence of gathering together in community. They discounted a move of God. And I'm believing that those of us that are supposed to be back in church, that we're gonna share this message with our friends and invite them and ask again and ask again and ask again. I feel like there's someone watching with us today who's been hurt and you stopped showing up because of what someone said or didn't say. And I just want you to know and I just want to apologize on their behalf and say that that was not their intention. It was a misunderstanding and it's time for you to come back home. You have a family that's waiting for you. You have a family that's praying for you. You have a seat at this table. This table is not too big to notice that you are missing. We wanna see you back home again. We wanna see you back home, you belong. I'm gonna read to you some scriptures from Ezekiel 37, because I believe that many of us have situations or we have family members who are facing situations that seem like dry bones, that seem hopeless, that seem like how can this situation live? How can God answer my prayer? And you might still be thinking it's too much for God, but it's not too much for God. Go with me to Ezekiel 37. Then the Lord took a hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones, and they covered the valley floor. They were scattered across everywhere. The, oops, let me read that again. They were scattered everywhere across the ground, and they were completely dried out. Some of our savings accounts are completely dried out. Some of our situations seem hopeless and completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can my family live? Son of man, can I get set free from depression? Son of man, can I stand tall again and face my business community? Son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Verse four, then he said to me, and this is what he's saying to us, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say to them, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. Verse five, this is what the sovereign Lord says and this is what he's doing to each and every one of us today. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, breath from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies that they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me and breath came into these bodies. They came to life and stood on their feet, a great army. I feel like great armies are coming out of James River Church. I feel like miracles are gonna continue to come out of James River Church. I feel like the best days are ahead for James River Church. And I feel like, like Hannah, she cried out, she worshiped, she believed God for a miracle and her baby came. And I believe that as we continue to follow the examples of our pastors and be a church that cries out for God, that God is saying it's not too much. He says in 1 John 5, and we are confident that He hears us and whatever we ask for anything, it pleases Him. John 14 says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Matthew 7, 7 says, keep on asking and you receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find it. Keep on knocking and the door will open up to you. One more, John 16, 4, 16 24 says, ask in my name according to my will and he'll most certainly give it to you. I need you to know, church family, it's not too much for God. Your family situation is not too much for God. The business situation you're facing is not too much for God. Your mental health is not too much for God. Let's be a church that runs to church.
Johnson. 